the difference 24 hours can make. The Leafs. 2-0 loss to the Pens Saturday night. Only to clean it up. Justin Bourne with a 3-0 win over the Isles. The Isles, of course, decimated with injuries and COVID. A bad week turned into a, a worse weekend. Yeah. The good news, though, as was well reported on the weekend, their new arena has bigger bathrooms. And many of them. Many of them, too. Uh, and, and the lower ceiling and a shack burger. <laughs> that counts for something. The bread's blue and orange. What else does a fan base want? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, not not the way I wanted my beloved Islanders to open the new barn exactly. Uh, but... You know, it's an unfortunate situation. You know, they're caught up in some COVID protocols, don't quite have the uh, full squad, and season is off to a rocky start in Long Island. On Long Island. Sorry, everyone. Sammy, our trusted producer, is back again this week. Derek Brandeo, of course, pushing all the buttons. But, uh, Sammy, last we spoke... You were thinking about going to that game Saturday oh, night. God. And it was a dud. And are you happy you saved about 450 bucks? <laughs> Listen, Before I went, you got there. I went through the gamut of emotions. You know, I was very nervous going into the game. When I said that I didn't, I made the hard line, not going, told Ali that I wasn't going to go. She loves Sid. We made this whole decision. I'm like, we're not doing it. It's just too much money. You know, I work in radio. Let's not do this. <laughs> So I went into this game with this really big fear that it was going to be like a 5-4 Leafs win, Sid gets a hattie or something. And I have never felt more validated in my life than sitting on the couch trying to stay awake on a Saturday night after eating a lot of Chinese food if I was going to be able to stay awake for the rest of this game. So thrilled with my decision to not go. So, yeah. So... Oh, sorry, go ahead, bud. I was just going to say, what really had to happen is a, a, a role reversal. You needed the game against the Islanders to justify the money that you could have potentially spent. But, but even that one was a bit like, the, the Leafs are just playing these snoozers. Even when they win, it's like 3 nothing, 2-1. Are you not critiquing a, wins now? Yeah, it's not as exciting. I want some more <laughs> events. <laughs> not enough for Sammy anymore. No, I, right? I'm happy with the wins, and I thought they played great last night. But the most exciting thing this weekend was not hockey-related. It was a... Uh, Little five-second video of Tiger Woods swinging a club. That was the most exciting <laughs> thing in my weekend, boys. So he's on his way back. Augusta? Oh, yeah. Justin Bourne, if I was going to tell you that the Leafs would be on the run that they're on right now, averaging, I think, around 2.6 goals a game or in the ballpark, yeah. uh, to speak to Sammy's tone of a little, at times, underwhelming, boring, whatever the case is, it's pretty consistent now when we watch Toronto Maple Leaf games. It's either 0-0 zero, zero or one nothing uh, at the halfway mark. Yeah. Well, we, we can't lecture them about not playing playoff-style hockey and the type of hockey that's going to get it done when the games get tough and then say, ah, you know, don't like this low-event hockey. It's, it is a different look than they've presented. Uh, depends where you sit on statistics, but, like, they are 27th, I think you had looked up, Kipper, in goals for per game. They're first in expected goals per game. So it's like they're still supposed to be scoring, according to the fancies. They're not scoring. So I, I'm torn on how to feel about their offense right now because it's supposed to be there. It's there in theory, but it's not going in the net. The other uh, kind of head scratcher, too, is 
has got to be the power play because when you are in these low-scoring games, uh, often it can be a difference maker, and it has for the most part in the last uh, 10 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last night looked a lot like the struggle that we've seen prior to that, But which kind of leads me into, Justin, that we're seeing a, a team we weren't really expecting. And I, I get it with you. Uh, patience is great, and that's what you need at times in the playoffs is the ability to kind of hang in there when it's not going well and wait for your your chance without opening up. Mm-hmm. And they've, That's key. they've shown that. Yeah. But five on five is a bit of an issue for Sheldon Keefe. Thus, what we've seen going into the island compared to Saturday night, the lines did look a lot different. Yeah, no, they did. And, you, you know... Their five-on-five play, what's really concerning over the last little bit is like, Sammy, you had the Nylander and Tavares stuff, right? What do they got? Like one even strength point between them over the past five or six games? Correct. Okay. It's one even strength point in the last combined in the last five. Yeah. Like that's that's really shocking. It's not like they've played all world beater teams. I'm not exactly sure what's up, uh, you know, with the five-on-five play right now. That, that, that has, there's some question marks there. So then the next thing is they go into Long Island and they still find a way to get it done. Um, you know, should it? Do you think it was easy? Do you think the Islanders' lineup was so bad that they were kind of gifted that one, or is that a we give them credit for bouncing back after a tough loss? I think Sheldon was asked if I'm not sure if we've got the clip here, uh, Sammy, but he was asked about maybe the the challenges of playing the Islanders, and I had I had a real feel that either uh, the Leafs would have blown them out or the Islanders would have found a way to beat them just based on desperation. When you start really playing a desperate team, like the Leafs found out against Montreal when they were up 3-1, they they can be really dangerous. And it's not necessarily because of the talent level, because of the intestinal fortitude that, that players tend to rise in certain occasions. And this was their second game in a brand new building. It's still emotional there. I would have thought that they would have had a, a better opportunity to come up with more than 10 shots on goal after 40 minutes. Yeah. No, and, you got to give the Leafs credit for that. You know, but uh, Sheldon, I think, had a, a different feel. Let's let's listen to his comments going. I wouldn't say it was that difficult, frankly. I mean, they stole, you know, they stole the start of the game. Obviously, they lost Nelson here tonight, but, you know, they started the game with all four centers, and, you know, I looked at it. They essentially had, you know, nine or ten, you know, full-time NHL forwards. Um, and, you know, goaltender and, you know, all of that. So we thought that there'd be some vulnerabilities on defense that we could take advantage of, um, you know, but uh, we have a lot of respect for this team and their coaching staff and the culture that they have here and knew that we were going to be in for a tough game no matter who was playing so that we had to be really good, and I thought that we were. And uh, as a result, I just thought we had a nice, clean game and didn't really give them um, a whole lot of life, you know, um, which... If you give them life and energy in this building, it could be hard to reel it back in, but I thought we did a good job of it. To be clear, at the start of the clip when he says, I wouldn't say is that difficult, the, the question was... Um, how do you, like, scout them? How do you scout them? Is it hard to plan for this team? And so not that he was saying it wasn't a difficult game. But That's easy to beat those Yeah, bombs. I wouldn't say it was that difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I to clear that up. Yeah. But the... Um, you know, the, my, my takeaway is just he had respect for that Islanders team, even though... The Islanders' record has had been poor. They lost the night before. Like, they still had a number of NHLers, and they've created a culture and a pride, which is to your point, right? Like, this Islanders team, 
even when they don't have all their guys, you expect there to be enough guys that ha- are, you know, prideful players that, that would put up a good effort. So the Leafs bouncing back with that effort was a testament to, the, to Sheldon and them. The thing that kind of gave me, you know, flashbacks to the f- start for the Leafs with that game where the Isles played last night, there was just such a disconnect between the forwards and the defense, it seemed. Like, because like, they were missing both the Pollocks and Pellicks and, all, and uh, Andy yeah. Green, right? So those are three of their best guys. And I just felt like they had such a hard time getting the puck up to their forwards, that decor. And, hey, that's credit to the least play through the neutral zone for sure. But I really thought that those guys kind of struggled getting the puck up to those forwards. So maybe that was the biggest difference. It just kind of flashed back to the start of the year for the least where that was a big issue for them. Just talking about the, the five-on-five here. And you love the points. You love the way that they're finding to gain points. And... Now we've got uh, Kampf again and that line continuing to find ways to contribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goal that really solidified the win last night came off that third line, but it had a different feel. We saw Richie set up early Saturday night by Mitch Marner, failed to connect. So you slide him back into a third position and alleviates all the pressure to have to score. Right. And he does look like a different player when he doesn't feel the need to shine. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. In looking at the construction of this lineup, like Bunting with Matthews and Marner, Kerfoot with Tavares and Nylander, Richie with Camp and Kasha, and then Engvall with Spezza and Simmons, that's the first time I've looked at Richie's place in their top, in their 12-man unit and gone, I like it. No, no. That that, makes sense that's where me. he needs to be. Yeah. That is his comfort zone right there. Third line left wing. Without the expectations of having to produce, but it, it, it's there as a bonus. Mm-hmm. Anywhere else, and he's frowned upon by Leaf Nation for not keeping up with the Joneses. Well, yeah, and the fourth line, it's like, well, what are we spending 2.5? And this guy is a fourth liner. He's great, and it's not, he's not going to get any offense there. Top six, no chance. But this third line spot there. You can talk me into it. To your point, Sammy, the pace seems right. That's what I was just going to say. Don't you guys feel as though they're just kind of playing at his speed a little bit more? Like, they're just a little heavier. They're playing a little bit more of a defensive role, obviously. Kasha can still chip in offensively like he did last night. But I just feel like Richie just looked like he belonged for the first time that since he got here, I guess. Like, I guess there's been moments where he's been good. The Philadelphia game you look back on. There's other moments in terms of him just looking like he belonged, I thought that last night with him, with those two guys, was the first time it really fit. I think there's, in that organization right now, there's probably six six guys that can interchange. They're all third-line left-wingers. <laughs> they're, all, they're all guys that at, at various times could step in and hold a spot on even the top six. Sure. For, and for a game th- th- For a game. Handful for of shifts. A, a period to change it up, momentum shift, try to break open the dam that's clogged up. Old Sammy thinks Simmons is one of those guys too. Simmons, since taking a break, has shown a lot of energy, a lot of life, uh, is noticeable out there. Kasha is the type of guy now that could, I, I think, could even slide up on occasion. And there has to be a, a level of frustration, guys, uh, for Sheldon Keefe when it comes to Tavares and Nylander and, and their lack of five-on-five production. Mm-hmm. So you just stick with them when it, when it really... 
Are we all of the belief right now that Mitch Marner is truly the engine on this hockey club? Sammy, are we all in on that? Yeah. I, I think right now, the way they're going, he's been over their past, you know, four or five games, I think he's been probably their best player. And even you can go back further than that. Since he kind of busted out of that slump, I guess as the Leafs did, right? He's been their best player. And, you know, I think that kind of brings us to the Matthews conversation. We can talk about Willie and, and, and Tavares, and they're just not working. I don't know if you kind of blow it up. You keep banging your head against the wall. I don't know where the options are. But Matthews now is stuck on three even strength goals so far this year. And I don't know. This is a battle I'm having in my head. And I want to ask you guys because he shot 18% last year. Over 18% was his shooting percentage. And this year, he's shooting 9.5%. And I think we all kind of been talking about how he hasn't looked like himself, how he hasn't been carrying the play. Do you guys think if the puck was just going in more, we'd be kind of, you know, a little bit more lenient? And if he was up near 14 or 15%, or is there something really different about him for the past little bit? Well, I think he looks very similar to good Matthews. And, you know, he's a guy that I'm inclined to believe uh, the luck thing. If you go through his career shooting percentage, then you said he was 18-6 this year, is 18-2 last year, he's 16-14, like he's he's not a nine shooting percentage guy. Um, so that's going to bounce back for him. We're going to have a run of games where Matthews scores if, scores a few at five on five, and this all levels out. So I'm not, I, you know, I'm not overly concerned with him. The, you know, so who, who should we uh, focus on here next, Kipper? Do you want to do Marner or the well, Tavares? No, I, I want to, I want to have a comment on Matthews a okay. little bit here yeah. too, because, um, I, I listen. Most nights he's will always be your most dangerous player, right? But there is something to be said too that. Every team that comes in, Matthews has to be, I think, your first conversation. Your game plan against Matthews before against, anyone else. When, when oppositions have their team meetings, it has to be the first conversation on who's the most dangerous player on the ice. And we know what he's been able to do five on five the last few years. And I just think that teams now are are really taking it up a notch on how to shut this guy down or mm. if uh, defensive uh, uh, pairs or or your checking line are now giving another 5 or 10% on top of shutting him down, then it's not just good enough to to roll with, with the punches and say it's only a matter of time. You got to you got to start finding different ways to, yeah. to 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 challenge yourself to say if they if they've shut me down another 5 or 10% then I, I got to take it up another 5 or 10%. Well, you think what Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are doing, Dreisaitl's on 18 goals right now, you know, playing for the Oilers. 18 goals, it's November 22nd. Like, what are we even talking about? And, yeah. The one thing that I get a lot from my fan, my fan, friends who are fans of the Leafs on Austin Matthews is he's taking a lot more slap shots this year. Is and it? you guys notice that? No. And I, it's something that I've noticed as well. And it just seems like he's going to the wrister a lot less. He's doing a lot of, like, one-timers. He's doing – I just feel like the wrister is a weapon. I don't know. Maybe he was – his wrister was his wrist was so hurt last year he didn't get to take any clappers, and now he's, he's yeah. loving it. Well, but if, I feel like the wrister needs to be more of a weapon than the slap shot. If that's the case, then it means he's probably not getting to the net as often as he'd like. Shoot from too far out. Yes. Right? The, the You know what stuck out in my mind last night is our own uh, Will Lou from the Raptor show put on a, a screenshot of uh, Fred Van Vliet covering Steph Curry last night out at half court. Steph's like hanging out at half court and Fred, Fred's on him at half court like, this is Steph Curry. Like you're defending him all the way out there because you know how he can shoot it. Matthews is getting that coverage 
you know, that's the version, the hockey version is the way guys are, you know, teams are covering Matthews now, to your point. He's got to find a way to get open. And this is the problem in playoffs last year where Deneau is tight on him. They focus on him, the game plan him. He gets one goal in seven games and you go, ah, oh, we had our chances. We've got our looks, our shooting percentage. And you go, well, we don't really, you know, not good enough. You know, you're, you're, if you're going to be the best goal scorer in the league or one of them, uh, find a way through, find a way to improve that shooting percentage. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Sammy, that uh, he's, he's going to have to battle through this and he's going to have to come up with a couple of new strategies. And certainly Sheldon Keefe has got to continue to, to help him. And uh, Marner, there's no question Marner wants to get this guy going. Yeah, and I thought, didn't you guys think that that line was good last night? I, yeah. I thought I thought Bunting was a good con- like you put him down the fourth line, you bring him back up, and he looks a little hungrier, I guess. And I thought they kind of worked well together. Maybe it was just not having Richie there kind of made it look a little bit more active, whatnot. But I d- I thought that line looked good. And Matthews had a few chances last night, but it's still just not. Yeah. I don't know. I, it could be because it's just such high expectations coming well, off last year. Listen, but it's just you got to understand that Matthews and Marner have to find a guy that is a bottom six guy that can temporarily hold their own on a number one. There's not going to be it's a not, guy that's... It's Bunting. It's Richie. It's, I don't know, Spezza, Simmons, Kasha. Like, what do they got to work with here? Yeah, you don't have a true top line. Don't right. have a true top line. So they've got to find a way. And Bunting came in and drew a couple of penalties. And that's great. But we are talking about... Guys that are built for the bottom, yeah, bottom six. Any long run of time is going to get exposed when you're not a first line left winger. You're Michael Bunting, you know. It becomes obvious eventually. He's played, so played good, but it's it, it's tough to say. But this is going to be Sheldon for the rest of the season, trying to figure out number one, ultimately Marner, who he's going to play with because it, it's one in one a between Matthews and Tavares. Mm. And then number two, who can hold their own temporarily? Is it Bunting? Is it Richie? Yeah. To be clear, it's it's one and two in Matthews and Tavares. Not I was going to say, those guys, <laughs> the guys are knocking down the coach's door to get 16 on their line at the yeah. moment. But the, uh, the Marner thing, you know what he reminds me of? You know, the way he changes the pace of the game when he has it, and he's so much more lateral than he is north and south. It's like a pitcher that keeps guys off balance, like a knuckleballer, or maybe it's something like a UFC fighter, like an Anderson Silva or someone just like the different sort of approach to the game than other players. Like he's, he changes the way teams defend them and it makes so much more room for whoever he plays with. When he's looking his best, he defines what the Leafs look like to me. Like Mitch Marner to me is when people think of what the Maple Leafs are, oh, they're skilled and they're, you know, that, that to me is, is Mitch Marner. Matthews is a guy who shoots it in the net a lot, but you know, good Marner is who that's, that's what the Leafs are. To me. And really like, that's shorthanded goal. That's and I know last night, uh, edge work. I know that, um, uh, last night in the telecast, I think it was Jennifer who broke down, um, his 10 to two when yeah. he was, uh, does he need to do when that he was at there? The top. He loves doing that. No, but the, the right, the right leg really uh, blocked off the defender. He did. It yeah. completely blocked off, but the one that, they didn't show last night, and for my money, that's that wasn't the, the the best play of the deal last night. If you really broke it down last night, you needed to find the freeze frame mm-hmm. where he actually picks up the puck, and his toes are facing on that same play. Muzzin, yeah, 
Yes. So he picked it up backwards, and he's actually facing his own goaltender. And the real work in, the, in his footwork was the pivot mm-hmm. from, from backwards. Maintaining momentum. To, to front and maintaining it and not losing one iota of momentum. Crazy, it was crazy it work. was brilliant and it that was the first 10 to 2 yeah. was the pivot from backwards to uh, front and it was like how many guys can do that in the world Not i many. i, I want to say maybe half a dozen in the world it's like barzal uh yeah it's a few guys david yeah so when i was with the the marlies at development camp barb underhill was working with marner on his edge work and on his skating and this sort of thing he was actually really I don't want to say bad at it, but he struggled to understand a lot of the way that she had him switching, like opening up his feet like that, crossing over within it. You know, she, you know, I think she just recently left the organization, but goodness, she, she did a ton with him. And he was one of the few players at development camp who struggled to get it. But once he got it, he was the only one who really knew how to wield the tool. And you know, he did it a bit in junior, but he's really mastered it as a professional. It is an unbelievable skill of his that's skating. So at the beginning of the year, we had this fun conversation about social media and how uh, Nylander, social media, f- loved him. Some people do. And some, and then we know the, the Marner camp, but the Marner camp and the Nylander camp hate each other. Right, Sammy? Yeah, that was a that was a fun conversation. Seems like <laughs> right? 10 years ago now, but yes, it was. <laughs> I, I got to think today that the Marner followers are having a field day on the Nylander followers because Marner's never looked better this year. And Nylander for me looks lost right now. Right now. Yeah. His, uh, so Sammy called him the perfect, uh, he's the, he's the perfect sports talk radio guy. He's a gift to our show. He really is because, and I sent this, what was your tweet? I sent it out today. I said that, you know, he has to be one of the funnest guys in the league to debate. And, you know, he has stretches that convince his fans that he's an elite player, that he can be a top echelon guy in the league. And then he has stretches like the one he's in at this very moment that, you know, people that aren't fans of his game can criticize. And I think, I don't know where he is, and that's what they always talk about him. Every time Keith's asked about him, consistency. It's the number one thing. And it's like, well, I guess guess that's why he makes $4 million less than Mitch Marner because it's every night with Marner and there's some nights – it's just a hard guy to quantify and the perfect guy to debate. And because the best part you about it, Sammy, it's them all them. true. It's all true. Everything, all the things, and you know, his, all the criticism, all the praise. It's just because his bad looks so bad. You know, it's just like if there's a puck that he can't get to, and he probably couldn't get to it even if he was going hard stride, you know he's not giving that a hard but stride. Early, it's just, he's just, it, it looks worse with him than season. other early guys. Early in the going. season, he was... Physically engaged too. Yeah, on pucks, under sticks, getting it back, and not this weekend. No, his uh, his ice time in the first twelve games of the year, he was over eighteen minutes ten times in terms of time on ice. Uh, the eight games since then, he's only been over it four times. So there's he's kind of he's down about thirty seconds per game here, slowly dwindling a little bit as his effectiveness wanes. So what do you do here? You just got to leave him and Tavares no, alone to no, work no, it don't. out? No, 
You what, don't. What do you do? Well, listen to what we're talking about. We're saying, oh, they don't have a left winger. They don't have a first line so guy. We're gonna g- fake g- it. Give, give me, give me, uh, give me some solutions here <laughs> me for Tavares and, and Willie. Give me Willie. The the obvious thing here, if we're so desperate to get a winger for Matthews and Marner, Nealander and Tavares have no chemistry right now. None. None. There's nothing no. happening. We said the last five games they have uh, one even They're strength. They're smacking it off combined. each other's shin pads oh, right now. Oh my god. Yeah. So give Matt, let's load them up for a couple of games here. Every time we get to the playoffs, they, they go down a couple goals. Keith loads up the lines, and it's like, well, maybe they'd be better if they had nine seconds together. You know, let them play. Let them play a stretch of regular season games together. You got Kerfoot and Tavares, and they can play with old Buncey boy. He can go get after the puck. They can be effective. They got some finish. I like that line. Let's just mix it up here a little bit. Wow. Why not? Go nuclear on them. It's not even. You're just good and putting good players together. And putting them in their natural positions on the top line that work. And what does that leave Tavares with? He gets Kerfoot and Bunting. Oh, he'd be thrilled. Oh, he's thrilled. (laughs) Thrilled. Listen, boys. Listen. Yeah, JT. Oh, yeah. When he was in Long Island playing with, like, you know, PA Peronto. This is is JT going up to uh, (laughs) Sheldon's office. Can I can I see you for a minute, please? Wearing a big red Lululemon vest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tavares making eleven million dollars as the captain of the team. They tell him to play with Kerfoot and Bunting. He's not. He's not I'm making it. eleven large. Get sixteen back here. I need him. I want to make Team Canada. Tavares hasn't complained in his life. He just takes it, internalizes it, bottles it up, and then goes and chops wood or something to get out the <laughs> anger like a good old fashioned dad. <laughs> I don't believe he's that kind of guy. Just rakes the leaves. Yeah, right? Just have an angry angry wood chop and move on. How about Kasha up there with Tavares and Nylander for a different look? Haven't you been listening? Camp and Kasha are the greatest duo in the history so, of the NHL. And listen. They'll be fine. <laughs> they, they're, what's that, Sammy? Well, we're just sitting here talking about a team. The perspective is here that we're sitting here and talking about a team that's, you know, won 11 of its last 13 games. We're trying to fix them. But... Yeah, they kind of November, but they kind of do need a bit of fixing here and there. Like it's not, it hasn't been like it's been an amazing stretch point wise, and they've been red hot, obviously in the standings. But like, there's been a lot of games where they haven't really looked great five on five. Like most of these games, they haven't looked really dynamic five on five. The ones that stick out in my mind where they did look like it are Vegas. They looked great five on five. They looked great against the Bruins five on five. But like outside of that. It hasn't been a dynamic stretch, so I think it's a valid conversation. If people are listening going, oh, all you guys talk about is how this and that, but, you know, they do need some tweaks. They really do. I don't know what to make about the expected goal stuff, though, and the scoring chance stuff. Like, they they, they control that, by and large. So I, I don't know what to make of the numbers on them. This is a weird hockey team, fellas. But they, they are doing it with great goaltending. And prior to the weekend, uh, very good. Very good power play and uh, one of the best penalty kills, which Kempf and, and Marner, uh, they, they, a power play, albeit against the Islanders, it, the penalty kill looked fantastic. Like there was an Elaine that they didn't get into mm-hmm. to block a shot, to take a pass away. It was it was picture perfect. David Kempf, right? What do you think? Yeah. is it This guy has made a huge difference for this team. I'll tell you where where Kyle needs a ton of credit. And that's not only having camp right now, but having him next year at 1.5 million. Yeah, that next year. That next year is huge. That is. At 1.5.
And when you think about a, a Philip Denault, and he's got five would, five in L.A. right now. Five five in L.A. I think he might have a goal more than Kempf, maybe three point three more points than Kempf. Clearly, probably plays three or four minutes more on average. If Kempf's at fifteen, maybe. Phillips at uh, 18 or 19, and that's a big difference. I'm I'm not taking that away. Yeah. But is it 1.5 to 5.5 different? Nah. No, nah, you don't want to spend the extra $4 million to get a few so more minutes a game. That that alone is is a is a good sign that uh you, you you've got some depth now in that position yeah. for this year and next year. Yeah, Kemp is leading the Leafs in time on ice shorthanded among forwards. Like he's the first guy over the boards with Mitch Marner. Um, you know, he, he's with Kasha and uh, Kerfoot following it up. That's a big reason their penalty kill has been so good. Mikheyev's going to come back and he'll be a help there. Like this this is a unit that needed help last season. One of those things that isn't sexy but is a reason for the Leafs turnaround and again, the reason is David Kemp has been a, a really a pivotal player for this team having the success they've had this season. They're up to third in the league in, in penalty kill now at 88.7%. So Wild. Yeah. And, I mean, it's crazy that the Oilers are their first – they're second in that and first in in, um, in power play, obviously. So they've, they've, they've been red hot in both of those. But, yeah, I, I, I got to give Dubas credit for Camp, And I was the first one making fun of it, you know. I was saying, oh, okay, oh, this guy, weird name, weird number, never heard of him, giving him over a million two years. And now, like Kipper said – if he's going to the open market, especially having this year in Toronto, where it's like he's lauded by everyone, including us, talking about how good defensively he is, the number would be going way up. Their PK in 2018-19 was 16th in the league. The next year it was 21st in the league. Last year it was 23rd in the league. 20 spots better. So that's a massive place of improvement for them. So Richie, probably a little overpaid in the third slot where we think he's best at 2.5. But not too much. But he not, plays effectively not crazy. There. It's not crazy. If he can find a home there, I can live with it. Well, and if he could find a way to duplicate his 15, 17 goals from Boston last year in, on that side, then there's nothing wrong with 2.5. Well, listen, he's, he but he's got, he's he's got did, some work to do. He did it in 56 games last year. What's there left? Better 60? Get, better get one. Yeah, got to get going. Better get so, one. Got to get going. Let's hear, do you want to hear Sheldon's clip on, on Nick? We have one, don't we, Sammy? All right, let's listen to that. Or, I thought they were there. good. I thought they had uh, some good shifts for us. I mean, I I, I liked all four lines tonight, but uh, you know, you look at that goal. It's a great four check, you know, by by Nick and gets a good stick on it and make a great play, the good finish. It's a huge goal for us. You know, all three of those guys contributing. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a different mix there. You know, with Richie in that spot. You know, we've come to really like and appreciate what Engvall offers the line. But I just thought here tonight. Uh, with the matchups and such that were going to be presented from the Islanders. I thought it was a good opportunity to give those guys a go together. Richie and Kasha have got good history together, playing together in Anaheim, and, and uh, it's been productive. So it's something we've been, been thinking of doing for quite some time and thought today was the right night. And who Richie smoke right at the beginning of the game? Uh, defenseman Grant Hutton? Oh, yeah. Hutton. Uh, ben Hutton? Smoked him. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, another Hutton, Grant. Is there a new one? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Smoked him. And that yeah. Grant, that Grant's no slouch. I think he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah. Yeah, like a hot knife through butter. Well, he, listen, this is the thing. He's but, good, that, that's what he can do. Okay. But that's what pisses you off. That he doesn't do. That he, you can do that. 
and you don't. You, you, you wait too long. Yeah. And that is such an element that the Leafs need. I thought that hit kind of set the whole tone that we're engaged and we're here to play. Yeah. How about, so how about they go out there? That sets the tone. They get on the, you know, they get the first goal. They get on the D side of the puck. They give them uh, essentially nothing. And Joseph Wall makes 20 saves for his first shutout. The uh, the Leafs in 74 lifetime games at Nassau Coliseum. Do you know how many times they shut out the, Le- or the Islanders? Yeah, I know the answer. It's a zero. <laughs> Goose egg. One for one at UBS. Zero at Nassau Coliseum ever. So, okay, once and for all. Like, I'm not a big... Everybody's like changing the pronunciation every other week on every guy in the yeah. league. But is it wall or wool? I'm going with wool. Wool. You know what throws us off is the spelling of hall being what it is and then pronouncing it wool throws me off. But anyway, that's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing anyway. So every, every once in a while, the camera panned to him, closing his eyes. They say it was focused. I say he fell asleep. But... <laughs> If he could sleep in that setting, my man's got narcolepsy. Like, uh, like <laughs> 10 shots on goal after, yeah. what, 45 minutes? But all you need to do is make the saves that you're supposed to make. Yeah, can't ask And he's more. a big boy, and it's great to see him. Uh, re- the reaction of the team after the game, did you see that yeah. uh, when he came in? Seems like an awesome guy. It's just, it, it's great. Now, oh. <laughs> what about this, guys? As he earned a non-back-to-back start. No, no, no. What okay, are we doing? hold on. Time out, time out, time out. Just ask him. Okay. Just you're, ask him the right. question. You're like, uh, SN, got asked. We, let, me, let me throw this. Friday night against you. the Sharks, 1030. If, no one watching if, anyway. If you, knew, <laughs> if you knew that he could come in early and, and create this success in October, November, or at least you were willing to give it that chance... How big of a mistake is it to sign Mrazek at 3.8 times 3? Oh. I'm asking you. Well, and I'm, I'm, oh, you're right. Okay, it's a fair question. I just think this wool thing, like, he, he stopped 20 pucks the other night. Let's. All relax. I'm saying, the big picture of this is God, I'd like 3.0 million to go fix a little bit of yeah. the help on the blue line no, or the I left know. side. Well, that's why. So you, it's you, just you, it's just pick your poison right now. Did they really expect Jack to do what Jack is doing? And if they knew that Jack could do what he's doing, would you have still gone out and spent three point eight million on Mrazek? Yes or no? No. Thank you. So the the, the Campbell thing. No, is, but I mean, but Campbell's never been able to be dependable in terms of injury. Last year, even he was really not dependable with injury stuff. I, he's never been a, a bona fide starter. You got to do what they. Do. I don't disagree, but at the same time. Wouldn't you have liked to have October, November to kind of see where it's heading? Could you not have traded for a Peter Mrazek mm-hmm. down the road? I'm not saying that I believe Jack's going to take everybody to the promised land here and he's not going to get hurt and he's – I feel very comfortable going to win three rounds with him. I get it. Unproven I still. I noticed you didn't say four. <laughs> <laughs> Because Sammy's will be, it's it's like a Stanley Cup for Sammy if they can get to a conference final right. or a final. Past the first round okay. of the cup. There, there you go. I was on Sammy's bar. Thank That's you. right. My point is, though, I would love to have the flexibility of that $4 million to pick my poison. I still feel like when Mrazek comes back, old Jack Campbell is going to be like, oh, 
Like, give me a week off. Like, Mrazek's going to have to play some hockey for hey, this Can team. I tell you something? Jack's had 10 years off. Okay? <laughs> I love he that. He don't want a week off. He I wants love the that net. attitude. He wants the net every game. Yeah. Yeah, you don't think he's going to be ready for a little breather? No. <laughs> you got a good chance to give him a pretty light week here. You start him Wednesday against his Kings, obviously. Former going back there. And then you give old wool the night on, on Saturday on Friday night against the Sharks at 1030. And you just like you, I, you, bank, one, you banked one enough thing points I want to wear as a loss. I want to wear as a radio host loss is I was like, you cannot throw Joseph Wool to UBS Arena and the Islanders on that on that Sunday night. I was dead wrong about that. But I think I, I'm going to blame it played, that. It played out the way it should. I'm going to blame that on the success of the Leafs team defense. I thought they were exceptional. I didn't anticipate them being that good. This is not, that was not a game you would get a great performance out of the Leafs in past years, I feel like. The back-to-back with well, first travel. Of all, it's, into, it's not even close. Th- that Islander team looked horrible last night. Even Barzell. Some are talking about Barzell on Team Canada. Are you kidding me? They'd never take him like playing no, like this. He's Not a chance. No. And I don't know if it's him or the team looking bad or chicken and the egg, but it doesn't look good, does it? You know, it's... I don't know if he makes Team Canada B if you put it all together. Did I tell you they have bigger bathrooms? No, <laughs> you should see the chicken sandwich. We're just too. trying it's to gigantic. Did you see the the refillable cups? The metal they got the met the yeah the, made of tin. Made of tin, so okay. that, I mean it might not actually keep it any colder, but it's just the outside's cold, so it tricks your mind into thinking it's actually cold. The conspiracy theory like that? On the yeah, tin. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome for twenty five bucks. Yeah, it's a twenty four dollar right. diet coke. Yeah, great. Anything else you want to cover off? Uh, well, I bombing I, through our list here. See what we missed. I just wanted to make sure. I just you guys don't don't want to go wall on on Friday night. Yeah, no chance. No, no, no chance. I mean, not no chance. No chance if I'm the the coach yeah. and Campbell plays well on on Wednesday. I just we you know we can't do the overreact to a you know small sample thing when you know this guy's not a solution at backup but, for me. I know, but you have a full. You'll have a full. Do they play Saturday? No, they don't play Saturday. Well, then no. Okay. You thought... Do uh, you want to do it? Let's, I, let's I just clear. think it's a great opportunity here because they played... on Campbell played Saturday. So it'd be a chance to give Campbell one game in a week. Give him a little rest. They always talk about the the, the, the load yeah. management stuff. He's been playing a ton. He's been... He's the most in the league. You've banked a ton of points here. 11 of 13 games. You can't run All him right. into the ground. All right. Am I making a case? You're, yo, 100%. I'm listening now. I'm thinking Kipper? about it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. Okay. Again, uh, you gotta you you gotta manage Campbell as well. You don't just think you're gonna ride this thing uh, all the way to the end here. You gotta you gotta still manage him. Yeah. Uh, last thing I have: Muzzin and Hall. Okay. Loved him last night. Best best game for sure of the season. Uh yeah, probably. I thought they were great last as a pair. Night. Yeah, I just thought. I, it comes down to Muzzin. That pair comes down to Muzzin. It's always been, you know, how Muzzin goes is kind of how that pair goes. And there I thought he times, looked great. Though, there are times when he does look slower I think than he's, he did last I year. I think he's one mile per hour slower this year. You for do. Sure. I do. I, you know, he's aging, experience, mileage, whatever it is. He's a mile, mile who, one who mile per hour. Saturday night? Was that Carter? Yeah, I got it in my head too. Jeff Carter? Did he kind of? Yeah, yeah. Him, Carter got behind him for the goal. Did he flip him a token like he was a TTC <laughs> yeah. bus driver? Beeping the presto card on the way by Muzzin. <laughs> oh, right. that's I, so I just not to, nice of me. I just wanted to bring up one more thing. All right. 
uh, boy, those Islanders fans are never, ever going to stop booing Tavares really hard, eh? I hate that. I do. I really. I, do. I wish Why I could. Do you hate that. I, I will. I will. That's awesome. Boy. That's what sports is all no, about. You're right. Okay. So I, they're allowed to. I got no problem yes. with them doing it. I personally just like, boy, that was a great relationship for a lot of years where he put up with some crap teams and gave us everything for the team, and yeah. he's allowed to leave. He's allowed. He's a free agent. Yes, Your team didn't he's sign allowed him. to leave, and you're allowed to boo him the rest of his life. All right, I'll, I'm fine with that then. Um, I'll take it back. And as a Toronto guy, who you know, my favorite basketball team is the Toronto Raptors. Uh, we kind of made a whole career out of Boo and Vince Carter. That was our only thing there for like I 10 years. I do not think so, those are equal scenarios. Yeah, Vince and, wanting the hell uh, out of here and JT deciding to go home. I'll we also, did it here a lot, so we can't have, really have a tough time with, yeah. with them getting mad about it. And enough with the narrative that, you know, every time JT goes in there, the the Leafs have got to win one for him. It's nah, like, no, it, that's that. so over. Kipper, why can't we all just be nice to him? One of the, just, just be nice it, to that, that part's over, and I'll tell you why it's over. <laughs> the team doesn't care? No, because the Islanders have won how many rounds since he's been gone? Yeah. We Is it six? Is it thing? six? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah the concert, conference finals. So Six rounds to nothing? Six, yep. uh, the Leafs have got, JT and the Leafs have got some work to do in the playoffs to really kind of catch up a little bit here. It's like when Columbus thought they were the Red Wings rivals. And oh, Peak yeah. Red Ever was like, you're not relevant. And, you know, now maybe it's more relevant that Detroit sucks. But. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We got Brian Lawton coming up uh, after the break. Uh, we'll get into a little more of the Leafs and uh, what's going on around the league, including uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Did they really sell for $850 million? And is that is that the going rate now of an NHL team? It was when I looked into a team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. We also got Jamal Mayers coming on as well. Um, and we'll get, to, we'll get to a lot of stuff there with him as well. And I want to have a conversation a little. We're going a little NBA later on in the show. Did you watch LeBron with his flying elbow last night on who? Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart. And did he go nuts yeah lebron homer simpson into the bushes <laughs> oh i can't wait to get into that sammy i want your take as well all when we return on real kipper and born would you say we should name this next segment lots with lots <laughs> i did not suggest that all i just heard was lots <laughs> out of you i'm uh, like what's lots we got lots we got lots lots of lots lately sammy He's working on Brian Lawton. He's always got a lot to say. Couldn't tell if that was an intentional pun or not. I'm going to guess no. I'm not pulling any Ron McLean's anytime soon. True. You don't, you don't pull Just stop me when I do that. I'm not good <laughs> at it. I'll freeze. <laughs> okay. We'll leave that to, to the expert. Ah, can't wait to get to LeBron James' elbow. Did you watch it? I did. I just watched it, and it breaks, so I'm fresh. All right. Lots, you there? I am here, fellas. Good afternoon. We're calling this Lots with Lots. (laughs) Okay. I like it. (laughs) So you had to have been one of those guys at the beginning of the season that that thought the New York Islanders legitimate contenders. And we've watched this, and I – Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have the standings in front of me right now. 15 games, 16 games. It's not that many. But have they dug a hole big enough right now where there's a real serious threat that they cannot get back into this thing? Is that possible? 
Yes, not likely with Lou because he's smart enough to be able to pivot midstream. It's not so much that they've dug a hole. It's that they are going to have to pivot a little bit, in my opinion, if they want to get back to where they were because they have a flaw or two, in my opinion, on the back end. Losing Nick Letty has had a catastrophic result for that decor. I know Pulak's out, and they've had injuries all year long. But adding Chara, running out Andy Green, uh, their transition game is not nearly as strong as it used to be. And I felt like that was a big, big part of their game last year. So just one change like that, that's what the margin of error is in this league can have a massive effect. If they don't fix that, I don't care when everybody gets healthy. It still won't be enough for them to even get back in the playoffs, in my opinion. Uh, I do think they'll play better, obviously, when everybody's back. But not to get back to that level where they were at. And obviously their goal is to try to go beyond that, Kipper. So they got some work to do, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and you know, losing Devin Taves to the Avalanche year before Taves has become borderline star for the Avs over there. So that the, the decor has taken some serious knocks. What what are your thoughts on the the road trip? Like the how much of an effect the road has on a team? I know um, you know you don't like to do it maybe for thirteen games ever, but you hear some people say that at the start of the season it can be good for a team or galvanizing to go on the road. What are your thoughts on road on road work and how it affects a team? I definitely think it can be good for a team, but 13 games was so ridiculous, Justin, that, you know, you couldn't, uh, you know, you can't look at that as normal. If they had an early three or four, maybe max five game road trip, I could easily build or craft a story that this could be a huge positive, especially for a team like the Islanders. Uh, This 13 gamer. Yes. There's no doubt that was overwhelming. They didn't have any choice. Lou Lamarill talked about when he found out initially, he went on a very long walk. I'd like to know what he <laughs> said to himself on that long walk, but, uh, you know, he knew it was going to be tough, but that's honestly not, you know, the, they fared well until about the last four games. And then they had some injuries. The wheels really came off the bus and more of, you could see that the transition game isn't quite, where you'd like it to be. That's a strength for that club. And that was becoming obvious to me as that road trip went on. Uh, Would I be surprised if Lou Lamarill fixed it? No, I wouldn't. The guy's a genius. He'll figure it out. Right now they're in tough because they have absolutely horrific luck going on. But uh, I wouldn't bet against them. I just think that that is something to watch for with the New York Islanders. And then you look at a very... Of what appears to be a competitive metropolitan division here, lots. And again, I mean, they're only 15 games into the season, but then you start looking at Pittsburgh, Columbus, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and the Rangers 11 and four. We saw the, the, the Rangers come in earlier uh, last week against the Leafs. And I still, there's not, there's still not a lot to love about this team to think about them as true contenders, but that's a lot of teams to jump for the Islanders to get back in it, even at just 15 games into the season? Who's, who's going to falter here? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I would think that New Jersey would be susceptible, although they've played very well, to be fair to them. 
Pittsburgh, you know, everybody's watching with bated breath, obviously. Uh, no Malkin. Crosby's been out. They had a miraculous run without their players, their star players. Then they get some of them back, didn't play better. Um, there's, there's a lot going on. But, you know, the New York Islanders, at the end of the day, when they're rolling and playing the way they have the last two years, they're a team that can throw incredible consistency out there, night in and night out. Can they get back to that? Yes, they'll have to get healthy. Yes, I think they have to make an adjustment. Um, I don't see anybody falling off right now in that Metro, and yet you know that they will. You know that either a Philadelphia or New Jersey or Pittsburgh or even the Rangers won't be able to sustain their start, and uh, things will change. Lots we were kicking around the Leafs side of things a little bit too, and I had suggested uh, the the option of throwing Nylander with Matthews and Marner. You know, we see Boston load up their top line. We see Colorado load up their top line. How, how do you feel about going top-heavy like that versus distributing your, your elite talent throughout your uh, forward core? I think I played nearly 500 games in the NHL, and the ability of a coach to be able to mix things up is one of the biggest weapons in his bag. And I think it's something that over a long season – if anything, sometimes in the past when I've looked at the Leafs, they've always kind of got to comfortable lines and stuck with them. And um, I think you need to do more like what Dave Tippett does in Edmonton. You know, he moves his lines around more than people mm-hmm. realize. Uh, I think it keeps people off balance. I think it keeps it fresh for the players. We're back to marathon seasons again. We're no longer in these truncated seasons that we've seen the last couple of years. So I, I think it would behoove Toronto uh, at times to load up their top line and then to change them up at other times. Just keep it fresh. It's a long, long season. Uh, teams are so good at preparing what they see a lot of. Uh, make them have to change it up on the defensive side as well. Uh, lots. You've worn a lot of hats in the National Hockey League. You've had uh, as a player, uh as an agent uh, with with clients and as an executive in, in Tampa Bay, you've come across such talented players like William Nylander, where on some nights you just watch him and you, and you marvel at the talent, and sometimes it just it comes so effortlessly. And I'm just wondering at this point of of even Nylander's career, you got to start accepting these type of players for what they are incredibly talented, but there are just some nights where they're just not engaged as others. Is there anything that can change that? Or you just got to accept them for what they are. And that is those, those scores that just when, when, when it gets hot, you just, you soak it all in. And when it doesn't, you just, you just, unfortunately have to sit back and, and, and just deal with it. I think the biggest thing you can do Kipper from the coaching staff's point of view is try to work with those players so that when the lows come, they're not as low. There's other ways to contribute. It's hard to do that with players when they're under certainly 23, as they start to mature and things change for them, it becomes a little bit more easier to communicate with them and convince players that, hey, you got to find a level of consistency if you want to be great in this league. So that maybe when you're not scoring, if you are a streaky player, maybe when you're not feeling, I used to call it manic uh, depressive, 
you're just so manic at times where you're so high, then yet you can snap back down to so low. If you can convince a player like Nylander, look it, you're not going to score all year long at the rate that you know that you'll be capable of in stretches. So how else are you going to contribute to this team? How are you going to maintain that value? And guys will accept that as they get older, as they look at the world differently, as they recognize that winning is the most important thing and not just playing well every night, but how can you help the team win? So there are some things you can do, in my opinion, Kipper, but it's not easy. It really has to be kind of a tag team between the general manager and the coaching staff. But ultimately, you know, with the security that guys have in today's world, they should buy into it. If they're not willing to, they're not necessarily the types of guys you want to keep in your organization long-term. So we were discussing the goaltending thing there. You know, the Sunday night, Wool goes into Long Island and gets a shutout. And this is not someone that I think they had real designs on being a NHL star or anything, but boy, that was some showing. What would you do with a young guy like Joseph Wool now? Like, do you look to get him another start? Our boy Sammy here thinks it may be Friday night in San Jose. You give him another look or, or just wait for the next back-to-back and kind of take it as it comes? Uh, I think you got to be more proactive than just the back-to-backs yeah. in terms of getting your goaltenders in. I think, if anything, over the last five to seven years, you know, certainly a lot due to analytics, we found out or we think a lot differently about goaltenders. We think about how much they gyrate, even the good ones. Look at Sergei Bobrovsky, obviously. That's a pretty good example. But also uh, how much we've overplayed them for a long stretch of time and how that's not healthy long term. Mike Lee always used to say when he was playing a ton of games way back when before anybody thought about it he was toast in the playoffs because he had no leg strength and that's something you got to always be guarding against with your goaltender so in, in wall's case i would look to get him back in there and jack campbell's been incredible this year uh he's exceeded certainly uh almost everybody's expectations for how well he's played if you really dig into the numbers But you want to keep him fresh, and you want to get that type of play, not now, just in November or December or January, but you got to get that play in April, May, and June if you want to do something huge. And the way to ensure that is to make sure that he's as rested as could be, and yet you get a lot out of him in the regular season. always like talking a little business side with you uh, lots, and we saw last week the thought that – Pittsburgh Penguins are on the cusp of being sold uh, to the Fenway Group, of course, uh, one of the biggest buyers of professional sports out there. Uh, the number is around $850 million. We don't assume that this is $850 million, uh, as in what the Pittsburgh Penguins are now worth. Um, based on Seattle, has it jumped up $150 million? Well, we certainly hope it has. Oh, no, Gary no, Bettman hopes that. it has. <laughs> well, not not just uh, the commissioner, but everybody that owns a team hopes that it has. But the early word before that ever made it public, at least to me, was that there was some developmental rights included in that deal. That's what I took it to, to mean, to be honest with you. I don't know that. Um, 
maybe that'll get clarified. It generally doesn't. But I was told that about a week before that deal ever kind of hit the light anywhere. Yeah. So that was my that was my assumption, to be honest with you. But uh, as I said, I hope that it's just the purchase of the club for 850. That would be great news uh, for owners all across this league. Um, It's an interesting purchase because obviously you've got an incredible era that's somewhat coming to an end at some point here. Malkin hasn't played this year. I'm talking about the Crosby-Malkin era there, of course. Um, The run they've been on, three Stanley Cups, it's amazing. But those guys are starting to age out. I think Sid's got some time left. I'd be more concerned about Malkin. Uh, When you're buying a team, you're always looking at that stuff. You always want to know what's the future going to look like. They probably have to go through a retool at some point. Uh, Brian Burke, Ron Hextall, they've been not necessarily uh, talking that way. They believe they can still win a cup. I know Mike Sullivan believes that. Um, You know, they haven't had their full team this year, so it's hard to judge them. But at some point, fellas, no matter what you think in the next three, four, five years, there's going to have to be, you know, a changing of the guard there. So to me, that would be uh, fantastic if you could sell the club under those circumstances for that amount of money. That would just be great news. Yeah, my understanding is it was definitely a, a land play development deal. So that uh, that land that the old arena used to sit on, the Civic, uh, uh, the Civic land lease has been tied up or at least open for like 10 years they haven't done a thing with that where the old uh, across the street where the old uh, rink used to be so that has to be in play I think for for the 850 million uh, but when you look at now that deal lots would you think it's the perfect time to sell you'd think coming hopefully out of a out of a pandemic or at least looking like you're coming out closer to the other side that it would be a horrible time to sell, but I guess labor peace for the next little while, uh, television, uh, new money, international rights seem to be tied up. You think it's a good time to sell right now? Um, I do think it's a good time to sell right now. The National Hockey League does not have a lot of franchises for sale. It's you know These are scarcity plays. There's not that many of them. Um, you know, there's there's people that have been out there on the trail kind of trying to kick tires, but there's been absolutely nothing. Along comes a very powerful group in Fenway Sports. Guys that have very deep markets are divested internationally around the world in sports. Obviously, like the space, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize or recognize that uh, sports teams have done as well as essentially any asset class on the planet over the last 30 years. They just have continued to go up and up and up. That doesn't mean they will forever, but uh, boy, they're on one heck of a run. And that's not just in hockey, that's in football and basketball and baseball as well. So uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting purchase. I'm curious to see what they do with it. In my opinion, I think they're gonna do really great things there. They're gonna spend a lot of money um, and they're really going to ramp up an organization that's been really well run for a long time to even another level. 
Just looking for some clarity as a business a noob over here. What do you mean by a development deal? What would something like that entail? Just the development rights around the arena. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen this many, many times. The ability to build a new hotel that all the teams will stay at or to put in restaurants or shops or you have it. You know, the sports teams, you know, they drive destination travel uh, like no other business. And if done properly, you can make a fortune on it. Not everybody that's ever tried it has done that. But when you have a group as with as deep a pockets as Fenway, with as experienced as they are, you got to like their chances to hit a home run. Yeah, because otherwise there aren't a whole lot of people saying, hey, you know where we should go in spring break? Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, Pitt, Pittsburgh's a great uh, sports town. Though. It is a great sports yeah. town. It, yes, not every town is, you know, Toronto or New York or L.A. or Chicago. But, you know, people have found uh, a lot of tried and true ways to consistently enhance the value of franchises and enhance the value of land uh, just by bringing the two together. So, mm-hmm. These guys are not stupid. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They know what they're doing. Uh, I think you're going to see them throw some bucks around, and uh, I think it'll be impressive what they do in the end. And don't think sports betting won't play a big part in this. We've oh, yeah. got we've got arenas now that are going to be uh, situated where you actually leave your seat. I know you can bet on your phone, but they want you to come in, and, and they're going to have betting like buying a ticket at a racetrack, they're going to have windows where you can bet right in the arena. This is where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Teams, as you know, Kipper are really, uh, you know, leagues are becoming more open to this by the second. I wouldn't even say by the minute, you know, these are enormous revenue streams. People see what's going on in gambling in the world. I always felt like there was a little bit of resistance to it, you know, maybe 10, 15, years ago but now i feel like it's a little bit of the wild west it's wide open um what are my thoughts on that responsible gamble responsibly that's my thoughts on that good advice yeah yeah good advice that's all you could say but it's here you knew the states were going to in the united states fellas uh i've been waiting for it you know states have been looking for new ways to generate revenue so I'm not surprised to see it legalized. I'm not surprised to see where it's at today. And I won't be surprised to see how much bigger it is one, three, and five years from now. See, we never gamble with you on our show because you're a sure thing. The luck of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for doing this, Lots. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Brian Lawton, player, agent, general manager. You got thoughts on sports betting, Kipper? I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I think it can get out of hand, but yeah. there's no question that uh, that's where that's where teams are thinking they're going to be. They're going to have their own sports book. Yeah, you're going to come in. You're going to leave your seat. You're going to walk in. You're going to have a drink, and you're going to make a bet. Yeah, that's how it's going to work. It is the ultimate like know your know your limit, play within it type of thing. Because it's really fun to be like, oh my, I, inv- I you know I'm now gambling on this Columbus Minnesota game. I'm watching this. This is going down to the wire. But- oh no, ten nothing. I don't care. <laughs> but, but it can get away. I'm still from you. watching. Yeah. Uh, our technical director Derek Brandeo had a great instead of uh, lots with lots thoughts 
with lots. Lots with lots, yeah. Lots with lots. Uh, Thanks, Dr. Good. Seuss. Pretty Sorry, good. Twister. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. How I like, are your buddies, Sammy? They, 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 they're playing now already a lot on their mobile phones? Oh, my God, yeah. All my friends are degenerates. Are they? Oh, yeah. Like, like yeah. I've got a, a crew of friends that are just, you know, capital D degenerates. But, you know, I'm not. I don't. I gamble here and there. Maybe I'll do a couple bets here and there. You know, yeah. Masters for wild card week in the NFL. Like, there's yeah. a couple times that I'll do a gamble, but I don't really feel the need to do it. Ask your boy Bunkus about gambling. He loves to uh, sprinkle here and there. Yeah. Um, like, you can't. You can't move without seeing a commercial right now on every game. That's you know that what to, I, to, uh, single betting coming, right? Yeah. But, the, I mean, you get into it, and you get that rush of betting on, like you said, Columbus in the wild, or, and you're watching this game, and then it's like, how the hell am I going to watch this game without having money on it? Like, there's people that get into this sort of rhythm where now that they have money on it, I mean, I don't need to explain addiction to you, but, you know, <laughs> you get into it, it's like, oh, my God, how am I supposed to watch this without the money on it? And then you have that for all sports. My, so that's uh, how it happens. My mom probably listening right now in BC, I remember her telling me, like, you know, they don't build the Bellagio with their own money or, you know, like, it's, <laughs> you know, like, you can bet all you want, but yeah. I'm yeah, telling yeah. you, most of you listening, eh, yeah. it doesn't go I, great. But I am a player myself. I won a lot of money when Tiger Woods won the Masters. And it was really great. Yeah. Dumb bet, right? Dumb you, bet because you're already invested. And I in also Tiger. had some money on uh, Francesco Molinari too, so I had like the little pair. But yeah. it was like, electric. Isn't that typical, eh? Hey, tell us all the times you won, Sammy. Yeah. I've won. I've I've done pretty well, but yes. man, now it's a, it, gets, it's a, it gets bad. Yeah, and we don't have time for all your bad stories, right? <laughs> you don't share. Nobody shares their bad stories. You guys got to hear about this bad poker beat I had once. Everyone's like, I'm out. <laughs> I had aces, and this guy yeah. coming. <laughs> Stop. You're working here, so clearly you haven't <laughs> done as well as you would have liked. I will say this. Last year, Sammy and I bet on the Canadians uh, in every game when the yeah. Leafs were up 3-1. Just it's called a happiness hedge. Either the Leafs win and it's good for our jobs, or you get paid at least. I'm so not going to tell the dollar amount that was I a want. Lot. It was, it a was lot. substantial. Oh, good. I'm glad you had a free lunch. I'll, listen, can't go through that <laughs> without being compensated. <laughs> <laughs> That's just insurance. Yeah, happiness yeah, insurance. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. All right, quick break here, and we're coming back after the break. Real Kipper and Bourne.